Hey, welcome to the Gridiron Show. It is day four. Oh, really? I like that you had to think about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did that yesterday. I said it was day two. That's wrong. It's absolutely mental in here. NFL Honours is tonight. This may or may be out before or after. We're going to be on the red carpet. Do follow along. Delighted to be joined by a guy from the uh, Up and Adams show, but also as well uh, KC Sports Network. We're going to talk about the Chiefs here. Matt Hamilton. Matt. Welcome, man. It's great to finally see you in person. Yeah, it's great to meet you in person. I appreciate you guys having me on. You do such an awesome job. It's it's great to sit here with you. Um, and that story, get it, just getting to hear that story about how Kay just refers to you as Tormund. <laughs> oh, and then, God. And then witnessing <laughs> it yesterday <laughs> firsthand. Is, so this is uh, Matt. I said to Matt and then the other producer, I said, like, I've interviewed Kay three or four times, I think. And first time when the guys came out, when you guys came over to London and did those shows out there. And she made a joke, and that's when Game of Thrones was massive, and she made a joke about me looking like Tormund. The thing is, she follows me on Twitter, she interacts with me occasionally, and yet I'm convinced she doesn't know my name, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, so, and so I say this to Matt yesterday, and I say, I don't think she knows my name, I think she just knows me as Tormund. The following day, bump into Matt, chatting to him, and Kay just walks over and goes, Tormund! <laughs> that, that was loud on the headphones, folks, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, it's funny, because like, Matt, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blowing your horn here, but... You are very, very busy at the minute. Like, I, I, you're, you're, you're going doing loads of stuff down there, so I appreciate you sort of jumping in here. Let's, let's jump on and talk some Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked everybody this, but from a guy that's obviously watched tape, talked about it all year, how concerned are you about Patrick Mahomes and his fitness, or do you think he's just immortal and some sort of super freak and he'll be fine on Sunday? I mean, I think with what we saw in the AFC Championship game, he can make more than enough plays still. Obviously, the ankle's still bothering him. I expect it to still be bothering him a little bit, but he's had two weeks to rest now. So I think we're going to see an even better version of him than we saw in that AFC Championship game. Uh, The bigger concern to me is what the status of that receiving core is going to be for the Chiefs, right? Because they were down four of their five starting wide receivers. Hardman is already ruled out. Looks like they're getting Justin Watson back. It looks like Juju and Kadarius Toney are going to play, but that's that's crucial because it's great and dominant as Travis Kelsey is and as much as he can take over a game, they're going to need some of these other guys to, to be healthy and making plays. Yeah. It's it's funny because like a, a, a lot of people are talking about oh well Jalen Hurts has got all these weapons, yeah. But the reality for the Chiefs is okay they've lost Tyreek Kill, but when you've got MVS, when you've got albeit he hasn't had a crazy season, Sky Moore, they have got guys that can do stuff in games and they can make a big difference for Mahomes if he is sixty or seventy percent and needs to make that play. And as you said, you know once you have Kelsey, it's just a game changer. Um, and, and that was the thing. Going into this season, that was my that was my case for. Uh, I actually had to make the case when I was still with Good Morning Football at the time. Yeah, um, we were doing our MVP picks, and I made my case for Patrick Mahomes. And I said, you know, even though he loses Tyreek Hill, I think he has the deepest receiving core in the entire league and we've seen it come into play this year they go seven deep in that receiver room and guys that can all contribute and make plays and not to mention the tight ends Noah Gray has been a factor all year you you can't sleep on him they love to go 13 personnel and spread you out they can they just create so many headaches for defenses it's been it's been fun to watch love it Uh, uh, look I I know that everyone is focused on Mahomes and Maybe what you know, the receiving core and everything else. I, I'm intrigued as to what you think those outside guys are going to do. What you think those tackles are going to do? Because 
it feels like not just in terms of the pass rush for the Eagles, which we know is sensational, but it's a weird physical matchup as well because those yeah. two tackles are big guys, and Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, both pretty undersized. For like they're yeah. going to have to get low. They're going to just that that terrifies me, and I'm not a Chiefs fan. Yeah, that's a great point because uh, when you look at what they did against the Bengals, they handled Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, who are two excellent pass rushers. But you're right; those Eagles guys are built differently. Whereas Hubbard and Hendrickson, especially Hubbard, is more of a relies a little bit more on his strength. Reddick has just that blinding speed off the edge, and nobody's really been able to corral him all year. So that's definitely going to be something to watch. And and while we've seen that offensive line for the Chiefs perform really well at times, they've been a little streaky this year. They've had some rough performances. They've had some incredible performances. So that's going to be a massive factor in this game, especially with Mahomes' mobility limited a little bit. Do we think we see Andy Reid with a couple of weeks to prepare, with a chance to watch some, you know, 1920s Division Three college film? We'll see some, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I was, we were there in Miami when he ran that kind of wings play that was just straight out of some college playbook from literally the 1930s. Like, come yep. on. It's something it, he does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my shot right now. This is what I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see Jarek McKinnon throw a pass. They've set it up oh, this wow. year. They've gone with that little wing T type of formation, that, that full house backfield with Jarek McKinnon at quarterback. Remember, he was a quarterback in college. He ran the option. He was a very accomplished quarterback in college. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him. He didn't throw a ton there. It was, a, it was an option offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see Jarek McKinnon throw a pass. Uh, I'm immediately going on uh, and looking at some prop bets for that. <laughs> that is, uh, you can get to throw a pass. You can get good odds on it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. I'm ready. Giving this boy a shot in Monday morning. Yeah. Then we'll be up and that happens. Um, it's funny because I haven't talked. I mean, we've been talking about the Chiefs all week to different people. I've just got this really, really strange feeling that this is going to come down to a special teams play. And when you've got Harrison Butker there, and like he's, as he said to me on Monday night, he practices or he goes for every kick as if it is the Super Bowl, and that's his mindset. He's really glued in, and he's a great guy as well. Could we see, imagine a Super Bowl where it goes to a last-second field goal. I, I, like, it hasn't been like that in how long? Hold on, oh, no, now that's, that's now testing. Vinatieri yeah, comes be. to mind. That's the that's the one that jumps but out. What the a way for Butker yeah. if it did write himself yeah. in history in that franchise. And the guy that's been so consistent since Mahomes has been there as well. He's been he's been there. Um, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? That would be, and we, we've seen the Chiefs' special teams come up with some big plays all year. I mean, uh, that what gets lost in the in the controversy with the penalty, the late hit on Mahomes, that that return from Sky Moore before that, that got yeah. the Chiefs into into range where you know they were able to get get for that into place for that last second field goal that was uh that was such a big moment in that game so we've seen it come into play and really when you look at the chiefs the the couple of games that the chiefs have lost this year it's come down to special teams as well remember the colts game yeah they had a rough day bucker uh bucker was out at that time bucker was hurt and uh they couldn't they couldn't convert in the kicking game Look, I, I have been sitting here all week long, and I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, I'm going to admit to you, I pick the Eagles basically every day. But every year, we, we, we find ourselves flip-flopping. And we just sat here chatting with Cynthia Freeland, talking through the kind of keys to the game with her. I, I, this is the first time I've felt myself wavering just a little bit. Like, where's your kind of confidence level right now and hearing from? Because it does feel like you were, most people speak to, I think we've had about maybe 90% Eagles so far. It, it does seem that way, and when you look, when you look at the Eagles roster, they're just so stacked top to bottom, and that's luxury of what, how you can build your roster when you yeah. have a quarterback on his rookie deal. And the Chiefs have had to kind of re- once they paid Mahomes all that money, they had to reshape this roster. That's why the Tyreek Hill trade, what Brett Veach was able to make out of that to rebuild the overall depth of this roster, uh, is just so impressive. But 
you have to give the Eagles an edge in overall talent. But Patrick Mahomes is there, and that can't be overstated. Uh, the biggest thing that I, I'm going to be looking at this game, the biggest factor, I think, you know, the Eagles, obviously, their bread and butter is that run game, yep. that, that big monster offensive line and their ability to pound the football. If the Chiefs are able to take that away a little bit, make that tough. One thing that hasn't really been talked about since he's come back from that shoulder injury, Jalen Hurts hasn't looked quite right. He hasn't needed to do a lot because they've been able to blow everybody out because they've outclassed everybody else in the NFC talent-wise. Zero especially touchdowns in the NFC championship game. Yeah. So, and again, he didn't need to throw <laughs> I mean, any. Yeah, exactly. But can we not talk about it? It was game? more. Come oh, boy. <laughs> the big Niners fan here. And it's funny oh. because we all we always have this game now. It's like, well, how long is it going to be that Will talks about the Niners and makes reference to it? So yeah. it happened. I'm happy it happened here. There we go. Um, but, yeah, when you look at it, um, you know, obviously he didn't have to do a lot. They didn't have to put it on his shoulder. But I think against the Chiefs, he's going to be put in that position. When you look at some of the throws in that Niners game, yeah. he wasn't sharp. He missed a few throws that he was making consistently when he was playing at that MVP level early in the season. And even some of the throws he completed, the ball placement was just a little bit off. So yeah. that's something I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. At Matt Hamilton, 25, uh, obviously, I, I know you're with Fangio TV with uh, Kay Adams up in Adams. You're also the host of the breakdown on the KC Sports Network, B, uh, BJ Cassell, big guy there. Uh, look, I know you've talked about the potential surprise play. Any other bold prediction just to end this out here, mate, before we go? And I tell you what, Matt, I'm, I'm taking I think the Chiefs are winning on Sunday. Yeah, I really. I, I just you, that's not game. what you've said to anyone else who's come here. All of a sudden, your good buddy Matt comes over. I'm nearly certain. I, I'm nearly <laughs> certain I said on a different. No, it's funny because I just feel like you just can't bet against Mahomes. I, I look. Yeah. For me, Jalen Hurts is the MVP. Yeah, and we'll find out. You know, time permitting on this podcast, what happens, <laughs> but. I know it's going to be most likely to be Mahomes. Give us some sort of crazy bold prediction that we can all laugh at together on Twitter. Oh, man, a crazy bold prediction. I mean, is it going to be crazier than Jarek McKinnon throwing a touchdown pass? <laughs> I, I feel like I, I took my shot with that one. Uh, but I, I think the Chiefs I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to get this done. I really do. As talented as the Eagles are, um, as you said, it's hard to bet against Mahomes. And I do have enough questions about Jalen Hurts that they are able to make the Eagles have to throw. That's going to be the key. And it's a way easier, obviously, said than done. Not many teams have been able to do it. But if they can get there, I think that there is a path for the Chiefs to pull this one off. And I always feel like whenever it's that skewed one way, 80 90% of people leaning into one team, I feel like it always ends up swinging back the other way. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Chad Henney and Gardner Minshew are there as well, just in case. But, Matt, look, um, just all the very, very best this weekend, but all the best for the future. And thank you very much for your support, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. This is awesome. There's something to be like right behind you. You've got Tony Dorsett followed by Earl Campbell, like two of the greatest, man. But we've got the mere man Steve on here. This so is yeah. awesome. This is, yeah, so we're on Radio Row with Steve Walsh. And as he's saying, we still feel like this, Steve, right? We feel like we're here almost crashing someone else's party. Like as much as, not, not in a way of like, you know, we, we know the sport is getting big in Britain and we absolutely love it over there. But just when you have all the players who played with each other years ago, who have won Super Bowls together, and they're all meeting up and hanging out and like high-fiving and stuff, I'm just like... I feel like a, like a fanboy just sat here going, oh, my God, that's such a cool moment. It's, it's amazing how much stuff But we're all fanboys. I yeah. mean, I've been doing this 30-some years, and you know, I pointed out Tony Dorsett and Earl Campbell. Like, I've, I've interviewed these guys. I deal with them at the Hall of Fame. But I think back to when I was younger watching them play and how spectacular 
they were. And that's what's great about being at an event like this is because you see them. It, it, it hits memories. It makes you think about things like, wow, you know, I haven't really thought about that. Then I see Earl Campbell, and I'm thinking about he was one of the most powerful, spectacular running backs I've ever seen, and he's 10 feet away from me. There's a billion people who would kill for that, and we're here, and I'm here with you talking about it. I, uh, I, I love the guys who just love telling stories as well. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Like, it's a chance for them to relive their glory is in the best way possible. And we had um, Aaron Taylor on yesterday. Obviously, great college football guy. Yeah. really knows his stuff. Played in the league. But everyone always asks him about what it was like to kind of block for Favre. But I was like, well, what's it like to face Reggie White in practice? And he gave us the best <laughs> Reggie White story about how he blocked it. It blocked him up. Reggie tripped over the defensive tackle's feet, went down, and the whole line were just like, oh, you're going to let Aaron do you like that? Like, absolutely went after him. And he's like, Reggie just did up his chin strap, it's bad. tightened his pads, bad kicked his foot Aaron, out, right? and just plowed through him on the next play. It's like, I've never felt power like it. And just... Stuff like that is it's the best. <laughs> Country strong, I believe they call it. Country yeah. strong, <laughs> it is. That's what it is. Country strong. Uh, Steve, watch as, as the kind of chief national reporter for NFL Network. What, what's your week like when everyone's obviously so heavily focused on the game, but at the same time we've got you know, Aaron Rodgers talking about sitting in a dark room for four days to contemplate life. And I know. wish I could do that. By the way, <laughs> that's all of us next week. Yeah, <laughs> that might be me all day Saturday, just recovering <laughs> ahead of the game, just trying to get through it. What's it like having to like juggle all that stuff while having all this going on around you as well? It's, it's what we do, right? It's like being you know a financial broker on Wall Street when you're going in with this, the markets crash, you've got something else going on to change the news. You have to be able to juggle, and that's why doing what we do is great because every day is different, right? It never gets mundane. So, like this week, while I'm here for the game, tonight I'm also doing work with the Hall of Famers at Honors, right? We're going to announce the class of 2023. This is a huge deal. It's going to change lives for a lot of people. And so, that's a cool thing for me, right, to be able to do that. And then on Saturday, we're going to be recording um, a special thing that's going to air on NFL Network and NFL Plus, our streaming site, with these guys as they get you know measured for their jackets and get their their bust, you know the initial stages for that. So these are all the different things that are going on here. You know, like I said, honors tonight, MVP, Rookie of the Year, things like that. But there's also other teams. You know, the, the Derek Carr situation with the Raiders, right? Is he going to? He's in New Orleans. You know, talking to them about possibly playing for them. We've got to have our, our, you know, ears to the ground on that. But that's why what we do is the best. We're not doing anything that's saving anybody's life, right? But we're doing things to inform, educate, and entertain a fan base where it doesn't matter how many college degrees you have or if you're a high school dropout, right? We can all talk about the game. We can all talk about sports. We can all talk about Hall of Famers. Which is why, again, having the good fortune of doing what we do is just an absolutely amazing thing. Let's test out Steve Weiss's poker face. Let's do it. So we know that they've changed the way the Hall of Fame works now, right? In what in, way? in terms of the old days of knocking on the door and finding out in that moment. Do you know who the five are already? I know who they are because they do knock on the door, but it is a different way. It's no longer the president of the Hall of Fame knocking on the doors of hotel rooms it is current hall of famers 
knocking on the doors of the incoming class at their homes. It's something that started during COVID um, because they just didn't want to bring everybody to the Super Bowl to one venue. But over the past three years, or the past two years, I'm sorry, this is the second year, Hall of Famers, for instance, last year, Ty Law, who played with the Patriots, notified Richard Seymour, knocked on his door at home, welcome to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So last week, last week I was with the crew as we went and did that. So I know all the deal. So this is it. We So we were with um, uh, the guy from St. Louis, Howard. What is his name? Oh, Howard Balzer. Howard Balzer. Uh, we, we were with him on Tuesday night. Yeah, he's a selector. Uh, and he's a selector. And we were chatting to him. And uh, honestly, I think five different people came up to him and went, you guys already know, right? Is Tory in? Is Tory in? Do we know if Tory's in? Like, I just feel like his whole week's got to be held because he's just got to be yeah. stony-faced and not give anything away and just be completely But like, that's because they used to vote the day before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it was announced that night. So there was only about a two-hour window before that could leak. Now it's more like a 10-day to two-week window. Which is kind of amazing in a world where we've got guys like yourselves and the insiders and, you know, yeah. in a world where that information could very easily get out into the yeah. world, into Twitter and everything sure. else. Like, put yourself in quite a difficult situation there of not having anybody find out. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> They're not finding out for me. That's, that's the one thing. It's like, okay, who... Hey, uh, uh, I could be stupid with it. But no, I mean... You don't want to ruin the moment for these people. And you don't want to ruin the moment for their families or their teams or their teammates. It is a special and hallowed moment. Think about it. There have probably been at the pro level 30,000-plus people who have played, coached, or contributed to this game. If you include high school and collegiate level, that number is in the hundreds of thousands. There are 362 people in the Hall of Fame. That is a that is rarefied air. So you want to you want to allow them to treasure something that unique and that special, and by spilling it, honestly, what do you accomplish? I maybe I'm old school. I, I really like the knock on the door in the hotel. I I, I, I get I, I can see these why. knocks again. These knocks are they're they're actually more meaningful because it's usually a teammate yeah. who's in the hall saying, "Oh man, I, I I went through the war with this guy." Yeah. And now I'm letting him know. And it, it's, it's, it's such a special connection. Nothing against the old way of knocking on doors in the hotel room. But remember, there were 10 guys who didn't get that knock who were sitting in a hotel room with their families. Okay, now if they get that phone call, they're at least at home, you know, around their families in, in a comfortable setting. And I think that's another kind of easier way for the news to be delivered because there's people whose lives are going to be changed forever on the positive and there's people who's going to be you know have their feelings hurt but again they're, they're, they don't have to like walk down a hallway in a hotel like you know kind of sad about it also if you've if you ever met the former president of the hall of fame david baker wonderful man he, he, wonderful man great interview so like so much charisma so much character but also if he's knocking on my door at any time day or night i'm terrified he is a huge man <laughs> like, he tall. is about like, six eight he could de- like tipping tip the high 300s. There's, there's offensive <laughs> tackles getting in the Hall of Fame who he will dwarf. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's oh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, see, we obviously we talk about the game all week, so let's talk about some of that other stuff, some of that sundry. You mentioned David Carr. Uh, David Carr. 
Derek. What well, well, colleague David. of yours? Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Has he given you a tip? <laughs> um, no, Derek. So I keep a secret member. Let's uh, it, well, let's just talk through some of these some of these landing spots. Some where do you think these quarterbacks are going to end up? Do we think Derek Carr, the Saints, like the camp situation, confuses me how they're going to handle that? But is that feeling like that's that's well it, on the it, way? It is. You know, and, I, and I, I've had that feeling for a while now because the Saints feel they've got a playoff caliber team. So going with a young quarterback right now with the way they're structured with, you know, Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara, to get a veteran quarterback who can protect the ball, they don't need anything super flashy. Just get the ball to their playmakers, kind of like what Drew Brees did. Derek can be that guy. Now they've got to figure out their $60 million over the cap. And we know the Saints have been able to manipulate the salary <laughs> cap like uh, – like, what the heck? You know, how, how are they able to do this? So they have to figure that out. We have to figure out if it's going to be a trade or if it will be free agency. And, and I don't think, I said this all along, it will be a trade. I don't think Derek Carr wants to agree to whatever team he's going to to give up draft picks that could weaken their roster to, to bring him in. And I don't think he wants to help the Raiders, you know, get draft picks mm-hmm. that could help fortify their team based on his departure. What do you think about the Lamar Jackson situation? Yeah. It looks like they're potentially going to franchise tag him to kind of move it down the road. But realistically, is he going to accept that? Do you think that's going to affect the relationship too much going forward? What do you see the future for Lamar Jackson at this moment? Yeah, well, I think they're going to franchise tag him um, just to make sure that nobody else yeah. can get their hands on him while they work out a deal. Look, I know the organization, some people in there who, who make the decisions, they love this man for the person he is, for the player he is and for some of the history they feel that he can make being their quarterback. At the same time, he wants the Deshaun Watson contract, and that, based on it, when you talk to him, is the outlier, $230 million guaranteed the whole deal. I don't think they necessarily want to guarantee the whole deal. So there's, there's the clash. And I think it could get ugly because he has no agent to be a buffer. Mm. I mean, that's when people are telling you things that you may not want to hear. But at the same time, they've got such a strong working relationship there, and that organization has always operated with such class. I don't think it will get personal. Um, so we'll see. A lot of people think it's going to be franchise tag and they trade him. I don't think he gets traded. I, I don't think that happens, again, just because I know how much he means to so many people in that building, in that city. Um, plus, they have to find a quarterback similar to him because they've built their whole roster mm-hmm. to kind of play with a quarterback like him. So I think he ends up there, but it is really going to have to take, you know, some some needle moving on both sides to get that deal done, and some relationship rebuilding as well. Because you know there were we heard speculation from inside the building about just how healthy he was or wasn't, whether or not he could have potentially yeah. played through the injury. Like, but it, you know, as much as we talk about football as this brotherhood and the the greatest team sport in the world. It's clearly there were people there who weren't happy with what happened this year, including Lamar himself. And so, you know, we've got to become so, September a lovely harmonious group again. Look, we've seen things a lot uglier than this get settled once a contract is taken care of. And for anybody, you know, who, who second-guessed his injury, like, man, you know, if he was under contract, he would have played. I think he's too much of a gamer. I think he loves playing too much. Um, but you also can understand, you know, after seeing what happened to some players, you know, who are in a contract year and then all of a sudden get hurt and they don't get their money, you know. So you, you get it, but I, I just think he loves his teammates and playing the game too much 
to let that be the overriding factor into him not returning. I just don't think he was healthy. I think the two things that really fascinate me about him, we're going to end up not focusing on any of the other ones. So last one on this one. I think what Kirk Cousins did, getting franchise tag, franchise tag, and then getting a fully guaranteed deal off the back of it, you look at that and he's thinking, I control my future if I do that. And then how much does the Sean Watson deal now affect any of these deals for these young guys when they're saying, well, look, if this guy's getting fully guaranteed 200 million plus this kind of crazy money, we see NBA contracts, we see MLB contracts. Where's where's the love for us in this front? Well, I mean, the thing is, you you talk about NBA, MLB, those are all fully guaranteed. Remember, Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins are the only players to have fully guaranteed contracts all the way through. Right, everything else is you get a signing bonus or bonus money, and then if you get hurt, they can cut you and blah blah blah. You don't get what's scheduled to be the rest on your salary. Um, the Deshaun Watson contract will have an impact. We're seeing it there. We saw it in some of the structure of the Kyler Murray deal last year, um, but he didn't get a fully guaranteed deal. But the money was insane, and the reason. And I'm so glad you brought up Kirk Cousins and the franchise tag. That's why these quarterback salaries are out of control. Because when he got tagged those two or three straight years in Washington, and people are like, this dude is getting $28 million a year and has never been a pro bowler like me? That's the baseline for my contract. So that's why you see Aaron Rodgers getting $50 million a year and things like that. So remember Dak Prescott, before he signed his long-term deal, said he would play on continued franchise tags because the money would be perfect. He'd be set for life for one of those. So I don't think any player wants to play on a one-year deal with no security, knowing that they could get hurt. But if that's what it comes down to, the money is going to be about $45 million for Lamar to play on a franchise tag. So... It's not, not a bad amount of scratches. No. Yeah, I, I'd I, take it. I'd take it. I, I, would don't take see, it. I, I just don't see why every quarterback doesn't employ Mike McCartney. <laughs> I just don't see why everyone does that. He is unbelievable. Uh, Steve, we're going on, on air live half an hour before the game on Sunday. Yep. And doing we're doing hits through the day and everything as well. Uh, you guys are going on air eight and a half hours eight and before half hours, the game. Baby. <laughs> eight and a half hours, baby. Stamina, baby. We do it all the time. So for our listeners, obviously at 11 p.m. we want you to tune in to us. But for the eight hours before that, yeah, Game baby. Pass, NFL Network, get on it. Steve's going to be involved. Thank you so much for your time, Steve. Have a great rest Always of your week. Always great, man. Appreciate you, you guys. Thanks.